I think it's important to know about deduce that we are not only doing something that has never been done before with respect to the real-time nature of our identity network, but we're also unbelievably easy to work with. That sounds like it should be table stakes, but in our industry, vendors have often required very painful, long implementations. For organizations in pain who are experiencing a lot of fraud, it just takes a long time to actually get a solution. And we're the opposite of that. My name is Ari Jacoby, and I'm founder and CEO here at Deduce. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Ari Jacoby built the platform to stop account takeover and fraud on your identity network. All this and more on Code Story. Ari Jacoby grew up in the DC metro area but has lived in New York City for the last 17 years. He's married with two kids at home, ages 12 and 9, and he spends a lot of time outside of his business building Legos, doing math homework, and STEM projects with his kids. The biggest hit of the STEM project has been circuitry, to see something buzz or light up at the end of the exercise. He's also a big fan of international travel and enjoys a good glass of wine with his wife. Speaking of, Ari's biggest influence in life is his wife. As he puts it, she is the CFO, Chief Family Officer, of the Jacoby Household and does a brilliant job of it. He likes to watch her work and finds it motivating how much she gets done and takes care of in her infinitely more hard role than his. Ari spent a lot of time around identity, specifically in ad tech and martech. He figured out that data was common currency in that world, but not in other spaces. Having built large identity graphs before, he recognized there was an opportunity to do it again in cyber risk and fraud. This is the creation story of Deduce. Deduce is focused on preventing account takeover and new registration fraud for businesses and specifically the consumers they serve. By way of background, this is my third venture-backed identity security company. Uh, We got started in May of 2019 um, after uh, we rolled off of a company called Circulate that we sold to a public company called LiveRamp. Where did the idea originate for this? What, what, was the, what was the origination story for the idea? We spent a lot of time in and around identity and in particular in advertising technology and marketing technology. And in those industries, data is a common currency that is freely shared uh, because everyone in the supply chain needs to have a backbone of data uh, in order to get paid for any given transaction. And, What we noticed was that was just simply not the case in cyber risk and fraud. And so having built two very large identity graphs previously, we recognized that there was an opportunity to do it again in a meaningful way in cyber risk and fraud and to significantly impact the consumer experience in so doing. It's it's crazy, but there's about 50,000 consumer accounts that get taken over every single hour. It's a lot of pain. Well, tell me about the MVP, so that first product you built for Deduce. How long did it take you to build, 
And what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? The, the ugly and humble beginnings, as it were. I, uh, I'm not an engineer, uh, so I didn't actually write code. Um, but I, uh, I can see my way around in product. Um, and the MVP was pretty straightforward. It was uh, a data infrastructure to consume a lot of data coming in from a wide array of sources to make heads or tails of it. Sometimes it's called ETL. Um, and then to provide an API that was queryable by companies asking the question, you know, is this the real and right Bob Smith behind the screen? Um, and uh, the first product uh, we called Risk Index. It was only a score. Uh, it was a humbling experience um, because companies out there were very excited about the data, but they really wanted explainability. And our first product didn't have much in the way of explainability like our current product does. So with any MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs about you know, what you're going to start with, what you're going to build, what sort of you know, technical debt you're going to accept to get something out faster. Tell me about some of those you had to work through, you know, even on the product side and how you coped with those decisions. You know, coming from a place where we used to run our own iron um, and have multiple data centers across the country, this was the very first time where we really started in the cloud um, and got to understand um, how to, you know, build resilient systems uh, that were fast, but also cost-effective. Uh, speed kills in our industry. We've got to be able to return data in under 150 milliseconds. You know, that's a cost consideration. Um, and so if you don't know what you're doing and you build clumsily at first, it can be very expensive. So speed kills, and I hear that, and, and you got to be super fast. Um, but you, but I hear you saying you went straight to the cloud with Deduce. How was that process of kind of letting go of, of you know, you said having your own iron, having your own data center to, you know, putting it essentially in somebody else's computer? I was going to say, the cloud, computers you don't own. <laughs> uh, it was fine. It was a very simple transition. We use multiple clouds. Um, they're not hard to operate. They're hard to operate efficiently, I think. Um, so there was some learning there and we figured it out. And it didn't take long for us to, to figure out. And there was no trepidation in doing it. We can get the speed we need. We can get access to the right tools. Um, and, you know, the, the, the trade-off, you know, makes good sense from a CapEx perspective. Well, then from that point, you've got, a, you know, got the MVP, it's working. Uh, you got a you know a solid product that's taking off. How did you progress it and mature it, and how did you build your roadmap of figuring out okay, this is the next most important thing to build for deduce? Sure. Well, you know we've we've added engineers over time, and the roadmap consists of a bunch of different bits of functionality that we have been encouraged to build by our customers over time, which I think is the right way to do it. Um, having built product in a vacuum before, it's not something that we wanted to undertake this time. Um, and so, you know, we're very fortunate that we've got some tremendous advisors and some tremendous customers, 
you know, who have been very clear with us about not only what they need, but also what the industry expects. Um, and, and we've benefited mightily from that. If you've built a product in a vacuum before, what did you dif- do differently this time to ensure that you were getting that feedback, managing that feedback, and using it to drive how you move forward? We did two things differently and better than ever before. We asked a lot of questions and we produced a lot of sample product. You know, we would say, well, you know, what about this use case? We think we can solve this use case and we can give you an example as to how and we would take it around to customers and prospects and, you know, they would either thumbs up or thumbs down. And if they thumbs down, we would say, well, what about this other use case? And what about this third use case? And, and then we would come back very, very quickly. You know, I think that cadence is the, is the right cadence. So, you know, that's, that's one thing that we did differently than ever before, fast iteration. And, you know, we continue to operate that way. I mean, you know, we're iterating on two week sprints the way you start the month is not the way you end the month. From a technical perspective, there seems to be better and faster and more interesting functionality all the time. You mentioned adding engineers earlier. So I want to dive into team a bit. So how did you build your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate they were the winning horses to join you? You know, we've done this a handful of times. Um, So I think you build relationships over time. And if you have have had some successful exits in the past, um, you know, people people tend to like that and and people tend to want to be around that. And so, you know, it's a matter of getting the band back together in some cases. Uh, People know people. Really good people tend to know really good people. Of course, we've used our fair share of recruiters as well. It's you know it's, it's tough sledding out there when it comes to hiring great people. I think we've been very fortunate to have have access to a terrific pool of of folks, and everybody on the team is a doer first and foremost. With that kind of hustling mentality, that just you know get it done mentality, we are really sensitive to that in particular. I think. Um, I think people ask a lot of dumb questions in the interview process. There's a lot written out there about how, you know, how you should try to figure out if there's a cultural fit, thinking through whether you'd want to be with a person, you know, stuck in an airport overnight, which is, you know, a preposterous thing to, to go through. Like, who gives a crap about that? You want to work with people who are wicked smart and just get stuff done and are nice. And I think that's the winning formula. Certainly it is for us. Let's flip to scalability. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, or have you been fighting this as you grow? That's the other major trade-off, right? Of course, you can build for scale starting day one, but you pay for that. You know, that's kind of an aspirational build. Um, I've seen that go very poorly for others along the way. You can spend an awful lot of money without having a lot of customers, and in our case, you know, without having a lot of query volume. And there's really no point in that. Um, I think you want to set it up so that you can scale horizontally, and cloud services allow you to do that, of course, and you've got a plan for it, but there's no reason to pay for way more capacity than you need early on these days. I think that's an adage of the past. Agreed, totally. 
how about architectural approach, right? Because you can you can build something quick, but maybe you're not using the best architecture. Did you did you architect it um, with scale in mind for the future? I think we were pretty thoughtful about that. Indeed, you know, I think it comes back to hiring great people. Folks are smart. They've got experience. They know what they're doing. It's always wise to have a trade-off conversation, uh, but they're going to pick the tools that matter. And you know, we've been very fortunate uh, to have great people in those seats, and they've been making some excellent choices. Well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I'd say it's a two-part answer. I'm, I'm really proud every morning when I wake up uh, that we are protecting consumer accounts from takeover and we're protecting businesses from account takeover and we're protecting businesses from new registration fraud. These are heady problems. These are very expensive, tens of billions of dollars worth of problems every single year. And so it it, it just does feel good to take a, a, a bite out of crime. Um, and I'm really proud to do it with the people that we're doing it with. We've got a diverse team of awesome doers, you know, who are eager to roll up their sleeves every single day. Uh, and I'm very, very proud to work with them. Well, let's flip the script a little bit, all right? Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Oh man, uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> we make a lot of mistakes. I think that's how you learn and we're not afraid of, of making them. You know, we, we try not to utter too many Silicon Valley bumper stickers about failing fast, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that is the nature of the startup business. We've certainly made our fair share of mistakes. We'll continue to do that. One in particular, you know, I think it was my brilliant idea to only have scoring available in our earliest product without explainability. That was certainly boneheaded. You know, we reacted to it in the way that, again, makes me really proud of this team, which is we took the product out to market. We got feedback on it. You know, we were intellectually honest about what we had and what the market demanded, and we fixed it. We made a really great product that people want. Well, what does the future look like for the product and for your team? So we're growing very quickly. There's a lot of fraud out there. Uh, this is a problem that is getting worse and not better. Account takeover fraud, new registration fraud on the rise. Uh, it's unfortunately a very good time to be in the bad guy business because credentials are stolen all day long um, and password hygiene is poor. Um, and so that puts lots of businesses at risk, uh, fintech businesses, financial services business, e-commerce business amongst them. We'll continue to build a really large identity network. Today, the identity network comprises over 150,000 sites and services. We see over 1.2 billion transactions on it every single day. Uh, so we've got a true network effect and that will continue to be the case. We'll be onboarding more and more customers quarter over quarter. The network will get that much smarter um, and we'll be able to do our job even better. 
I think it's important to know about deduce that we are not only doing something that has never been done before with respect to the real-time nature of our identity network, but we're also unbelievably easy to work with. And that sounds like it should be table stakes, but in our industry, vendors in the category have often required very painful, long implementations, very political, nasty implementations. And what it means is for organizations in pain who are experiencing a lot of fraud in their consumer accounts or on the registration side, it just takes a long time to actually get a solution in place. And we're the opposite of that. We spend a lot of time just making sure that we are drop dead simple to implement. You can extract value out of our API in an hour or two. Um, and that's something that we'll continue to work on. And that's something uh, that will continue to be important to us and our customers and our partners and their customers. Let's switch to you, Ari. Who influences the way that you work? You know, CEO, CTO, architect, really any person that you look up to and why? That's a really hard question. I suppose uh, a lot of folks have really great answers for this. Like they'll say Steve Jobs or Warren Buffett. Um, that's, that's probably not the case for me. I, um, I look up to my wife. She's the, the C CFO of, of our family, our, our, our chief family officer, as I like to describe her. Her job is infinitely more difficult and complex than mine. You know, she, she manages the household in New York City with a couple of kids, and she does a brilliant job of it. And you know, I like to watch her work. It's motivating. She's efficient, and she gets incredible things accomplished. You know, and I, I, I get to come to the office, manage an unbelievably good team, and sell a very high-quality product, and that just doesn't seem as hard. Well, we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently, or where would you consider taking a different approach? You know, if I go back to the beginning of, of 2019, I feel really good about the research we did in this fast-growing market. I feel really good about the CISOs that we talked to and the other practitioners in cyber risk and, and fraud. Um, we talked about uh, our first product vis-a-vis uh, -vis our latest product and the way um, that we added explainability in the form of metadata and we added real signals uh, and we added substantial data. And so I won't answer your question that way. It may be cliche, but I, um, I think I, I, I would have hired um, some of the awesome people that I now uh, get to call teammates just a bit earlier. We, you know, we were a little gun shy at first, probably could have made some of those hires earlier uh, and just very fortunate that, uh, that we've done so recently. Well, last question, Ari. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? I love those conversations. You know, this is my fifth company. I started my first one in, in, in my college dorm room. I love being around entrepreneurs. I love investing in 
I love having those kinds of conversations. They're very special to me. Um, I don't feel like I know way more than, than other folks, but I certainly have had a wealth of experience, uh, hence the gray hair. You know, I think, I think it's all about grit and persistence. That's something that I would probably talk about. There's lots of no's to be had for entrepreneurs, um, independent of their age. And the few yeses are way more meaningful and you just have to have the right mindset to gut it out. You just have to have the can-do attitude. And you just have to put in the time and do the work. Uh, and there's lots of folks who I think don't understand the time commitment, who just don't, don't maybe understand what it takes over the years to produce not only a product, but a company that has material value. So it's not for everyone. I think that's what I would share. That's great advice. Well, Ari, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Deduce. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash codestory for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.